Welcome to Bloom Together, the podcast where we cultivate education leadership, innovation, and impact, one conversation at a time. Join us as we learn from visionary leaders, share inspiring stories, and uncover strategies that drive meaningful change in K-12 education throughout Idaho and beyond. All right, greetings and good day to all of our podcast listeners. Hope some of you are out there, or at least one person's out there listening. I am joined today by a special guest from Bonneville School District, Jason Lords and Nikki Pack. So Jason, Nikki, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for being here. Nikki was tricked into being here. You said she was coming in for a bonus conversation or something, and right. all of a sudden she has earphones on, and she, here, here, here she is. She falls for it every time. Every. <laughs> good, good, good trick. <laughs> Jason, why don't you kick us off with a story that is going to set the stage for our conversation today? Yeah, as a school district, we've been, we feel like we've been just working really hard on just trying to improve, trying to help students not only become successful, but stay successful. And, you know, over the last 12 years, we just had a really big focus on professional learning communities. And, and you know, as you're doing things, you're thinking, okay, this is going to make a difference. I know this is working. And what was interesting, I was, I just remember this very vividly. I was meeting with, uh, it was one of our school board meetings, and we do different reports throughout uh, throughout the month. And what I was reporting on was just our, our IRI data. We typically will do like a, okay, we just did our September. You know, what does that look like? You know, pulling into account the uh, the summer slide that happens, but also then looking back at last year and, okay, how, how did things go last year? And and uh, Scott and I were meeting one day in his office just getting that report ready, and we're just both going, what in the world? How we're working hard. It doesn't feel like our, according to the IRI data, it didn't look like our students had done as well. And so I'm presenting to the board basically saying, here's all the things we're doing. We're working really hard. I swear we are. <laughs> and, and, and our teachers are. I know our teachers right. are. And our teachers are passionate about students, especially, you know, in those K through through three grade levels. Those teachers are so passionate about students reading. And uh, so I'm just trying to figure that out. And then uh, after that meeting, Scott and I both looked at each other like, we know we've got to be able to look at something different to be able to really judge how we're doing. And, and I think there were a couple things that happened. You know, an IRI assessment is is an assessment that it's a normed assessment. So this year they renormed that assessment. And we were getting to the point where we were almost having 80% of our students were being proficient on an assessment that really it's that bell curve type assessment that if really you ought to be in the middle. And if you're, you should have a few students over the middle and, and some under, but really most students in that middle, well, we're talking almost 80% of our students were being proficient on that assessment. And so we started having conversations about what can we use that is really uh, focusing on where those students are, not where every student is on a normed assessment. And mm-hmm. then as we looked at those assessments, it was like, oh, my heck, our students actually really, really grew and, and, and really were performing really well. And so for me, it was, wow, okay, we are starting to see those. And I would say we've also had a couple of, of things happen um, in, in, in a report that just came out last week, you know, saying that the growth in our school district on those reading scores has just been great. Um, and then last year, we also had um, one of the reports that came out last year was on our really our special populations and how well they were doing on assessments. And so it's like, okay, we're starting to see those those I don't know, fruits from our labor, I guess. You know, and kudos to you um, and your district. You know, I was meeting with Ryan Cantrell at the State Department, and a couple of their goals this year is is to really try to get more schools, you know, embracing the PLC concept. Yeah. The other goal that they talked about is really trying to help school boards 
spend more time looking at data, talking about academics, right? And yeah. it sounds like you guys are nailing those two just in that brief story yeah. that you shared. Yeah. Um, Nikki, data, data, data. Can you personalize the data for us a little bit? And I mean, is, do you have a, a student story that, you know, kind of also just sets the stage for, for this conversation and how important what we do in the classroom in terms of reading instruction goes? You bet. I can think of a few, actually. During our collaboration time just today, as a whole staff, we were doing some celebrations, and one of my teachers checked their IRI data as we were talking, and she said, oh my gosh, you guys, guess what? This student who came to us as an English language learner this year cannot speak fluent English doesn't know how to read English or Spanish. He came in, wasn't doing well. We pulled some systematic interventions and pulled him for those. And he is now, he made 60 points growth within one month, which is which is really huge for him. He started out in a negative Lexile score and he's a third grader and he's now above zero, which sounds like, well, he's still at kindergarten level. Yes, he is, but he's actually starting to read because of those systematic interventions that are happening. Yeah, you were able to identify him right away, and then you had a a process in place to support what he needed. Well, that absolutely sets the stage for our conversation today on on reading and really spotlighting the Bonneville School District and the good things that you guys are doing in hopes that other schools can learn from the good work that you, you are doing, just like we all learn from each other, right? We've kind of jumped ahead, and, and let's come back to introductions. Nikki, you're a principal at one of the um, elementary schools here in the Bonneville School District? Yes, I'm a principal at Cloverdale Elementary. It sounds like you've been in the district for a while. Been in the district over 20 years. I've lost track. <laughs> and this is your first podcast experience. First podcast yeah. experience. Yeah. Well, never too old to learn a new scary. new trick, I guess. Right, so we'll keep yeah. Her. And Jason, you've been on, in the district for a while as well. Yes. You introduce yourself and kind of what you do here. Yep. Yep. This is uh, um, my 18th year in the school district. I am an executive director over instruction and learning. Um, and I've really just been lucky enough to be a part of the district for that long that I've just learned learned so many things. I started as an assistant principal at Rocky Mountain and then moved to Fairview Elementary where Nikki was also as a principal there for a few years and then uh, back to Rocky Mountain as, an, as the principal and then into this position for yep. the last, uh, gosh, I think it's my seventh year in this position. Yeah. And for those of you out there that are coming from a, a school district that maybe doesn't have a director of curriculum instruction or hang on, stay with us because I think there's still some stuff in here that, that I think is worth listening to and, and learning from. And I think, you know, whether you're a large district, small district, I think there's some things that we can, that are universal and in, in, in what we can apply. So let's talk first about, you know, when we talk about success, you've already kind of mentioned data and, and things like that, but when Bonneville goes out and looks at kind of how you're doing in terms of reading and, and measuring your success, what, what, what kind of things you, are you looking for? And, and, and then also, what is your process to look at that data? Yeah. And, and what I would say is for, for those school districts that, you know, if, if you're a smaller rural school, school district or you're even you know, a bigger school district than we are, and even just that middle school district, really for us, our, our focus has really been on that professional learning community um, structure and it's all about making decisions as a team and whether you have i mean we have different structures of teams throughout our district all the way down to the elementary or all the way down to the principals and then in the building levels they all have those structures but if you're a small school district being able to use that structure of team i mean we're all we're all 
better as a team. Uh, Absolutely. Yep. Have, uh, if there's three on our team and that's what we've got, well, it's better than the one person making the decisions. And so really that's what I'd say. Anything that we're going to talk about today is, is conversations that we've had as a team, um, as a district, as principal leadership, as district leadership, and then all the way down to the teacher level teams and, and, I mean, we're getting feedback from the principals that are getting feedback from their teachers that are, I mean, just all the way back. And so things that we're having conversations about, it is it is typically when we make a decision, a lot of times it feels like it's slow just because of the conversations that have to happen. But uh, it, it, what we want is... And that's this. a core part of your structure here at Bonneville is what, yes. I'm, what I'm picking up. And I walk, walked in here this afternoon and saw a group of you meeting, you know, and so it starts with at the top and leadership and, and trickles down how important that is in, yes. in terms of the collaboration and, and, the, and the PLCs. And I would imagine at some point you've had some, some professional development on, because PLCs yes. is more than just getting yeah. together and, and talking, right? It's, there's more to it. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on, yeah. on that? Yeah, we've been um, actually lucky enough with the, the state professional development funds that comes to us. We've um, actually had Solution Trees, the company that yep. really is a big focus on professional learning community, started with Rick DeFore and his wife way back in the day. But uh, we have actually had two PLC institutes come to our district. We, for our August in-service days back in 2019, 2020, before, the COVID, before COVID hit, uh, we had uh, an institute that came to us and and I mean, you're talking the it's the big the big brains, the big minds of professional learning communities that are coming, yeah. and our whole district is is hearing that conversation. We had done professional development before, where we were going out and we were sending teams to like Salt Lake. We'd send you know a hundred teachers and staff members there, and and what we continued to hear is ah, I wish everybody was here to hear this. Yeah. And so, yeah, in 2019, we brought brought the conference in and, and what we heard is this is awesome. And really what was those opening meetings that many school districts have, right? They're, they're saying, hey, we're going to do an in-service. And now for those first few days of August, that's, that's what everyone's hearing. They're hearing the same conversation. But even more importantly, they're with their teams not only hearing the conversation, but having conversations with each other throughout those those two and a half days of training. Practicing it yeah. when they have someone yep. to model yep. And, yep. and support that. Yep. And then this year, we brought it back again. So our goal is to try and do it every three to four years. And so we brought it back this year. With staff turnover, you know, there's just, it's just you can never have enough, right? Yep. Professional learning communities is not never ending. It, it's just getting better at what you do. And, and what was interesting from this falls in service was that a number of those teachers were here in, in 2019. And then it was like, it's like reading a book, right? You, you read it the first time and then you go back five years later and just things have happened in your life and whatever else that you read that same book and it has a different feel. Yep. Absolutely. Like, oh man, I didn't get that last time. What the heck? And so I think that's what happened many times with this one. The feedback I started getting from teachers was, Oh, I, I get it. I, I, I understand what the conversation was where in that first one, many times it was, well, you know, yeah, you don't have to sell us on professional learning communities. We don't need that. We just need more things. And, and I think the other part of it was, is as we work in with solution tree, having those other sessions built in as well. Right. But, but I do think that's just the more you hear it, start to understand it and, and really get it. Yeah. So Nikki, why don't you take, I mean, take us through, take me through. Okay. So you've had this P, the PLC training and you have that, built into your school and I'm sure it's an ongoing effort yet as as I would imagine in a, in a school to keep teachers focused on the process and 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 the elements of, of a true PLC but how is that connected to reading instruction and can a difference in your school can you kind of put those two together for me sure so having those conversations and having those conversations often leads us to like 
we're asking the first question, what is it that we want all kids to be able to learn and do? And of course, one of those things is reading. And there's a lot of different facets that are involved in reading. If you look at Scarborough's reading rope, there's a lot of different things there. Yeah. There's also, we then we can bring writing into it because writing is married to reading. It really is. But we start having those conversations. And as we have those conversations, we line out exactly what is essential for our kids to learn how to read. We match that with classroom formative data and some summative data. But we also look at our IRI scores, which also map out for us all of those different elements that compose an IRI score. We start having those discussions on, so the student I talked to you about prior, where is this student low? Well, they don't even have letter identification skills as a third grader. Of course, they have some sounds, which is interesting, but not completely surprising, but they don't have all sounds. They don't have phonemic awareness. Ah, that gives us a place to start. Right, yeah. So that it, that's exactly where we know we need to start with that student. And those teachers are having those conversations all the time, and it's not just during their PLC time. If they're working as a true PLC group or community, they are touching base and having those conversations daily. So they're not waiting to talk about it. And then when they're having those conversations they're including, they're, they're calling me down and they're calling our instructional coach down and our interventionist and we're putting all of our heads together trying to come up with a solution or something to try that may help. Yeah, I think it gives a good visual of kind of what is happening in those PLC meetings and those right. conversations between teachers and it gets... And not one of us and not one teacher in one grade level can come up with all of those ideas and solutions for all of our kids to learn at high levels. So I rely on doing my research, right? And then I rely on my instructional coach. I rely on my interventionist. And I really rely on all those teachers that have got boots on the ground. And that conversation when we all get together is so much richer than just me doing the research. And, and to me, it's that skill by skill, right? I mean, I think, mm -hmm. well, the student's struggling. Okay, well, what does that mean? What are they struggling specifically with? And then it's that intervention skill by skill. Like, okay, here's in, in the conversations those teachers are having. Plus, one of the other things that, come, that I think comes out of that is that professional development that happens. If I'm a teacher and I'm, I'm learning as we're having conversations and, and it's just re very, very helpful. Yeah. Right. And it used to be where things have changed in the last five to 10 years, the conversations. It used to be we take, say, our STAR assessment and we group all of the kids for intervention according to whether they're on grade level, above grade level, below grade level. We send them to this intervention group. We decide that there's going to be some curriculum assigned or some online learning assigned and they stay in that group all year. That's not the way we do it anymore. Mm -hmm. It's kid by kid, skill by skill, and we intervene, right exactly pinpoint it almost can pinpoint it exactly where we need to intervene with that kid. Sometimes it's that very day, and that's the best case scenario. We can intervene right now, that very day, with this grade level skill. That's how specific we are getting. That's impressive. I mean, to do that at that level is, is truly impressive. Kudos to you guys. And I'm curious on when you guys look at data, maybe at the district level or even the school level, like is there, there are certain metrics that you guys really zero in on and, and also like set goals around? Like, because yeah. I know, I mean, I could look at, if I looked at all of Bonneville's IRI data, it is 
thousands and thousands of rows of data. Like, where do you where do you start? What's the most important thing that you kind of really zero in on? It's uh, it's funny you ask that. We uh, this morning our, our meeting we we're having this morning. We've a little bit before you even came in is we met with all of our K three three teachers over Zoom, and um, so principals got had their K three three teachers together in whether it was the media center or office or wherever they could fit, and then um, we were we were talking through our uh, SLOs, our st- uh, student learning outcomes, and where they were going to build goals for their students in K through three, and 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 really that's where we've been struggling of okay, what where are we putting a goal on? And a lot of it before was on the scaled score from the IRI, but but like we talked about before, well that scale score is based on that norm assessment and, and it's 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 saying you know again if 80 percent of our kids are, are are passing that we've really done a, an amazing job of getting them past that bell curve right on a norm referenced assessment and so really our conversation um has been since even august when we first came back as um a, a district well really our admin team principals district leadership and everybody saying okay what what can we look at and 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 really i mean scott just does an amazing job of thinking outside the box i mean he always does he's like what can we look at differently and so one of the things he said is let's look at um he started doing some research on lexile scores and because from i mean all of our assessments it will spit out an LXL score. So started looking at IRI data and saying, okay, we do have a LXL report that comes from that. So if we can get that, how can we then look at how a student's doing? Because a Lexile score is not going to change. A Lexile basically says, okay, here's here's a here's a Lexile rating of a book. And that's the it's going to be that. <laughs> and I'm going to pause you for just a second. And I want you to explain, dumb down if you will, when we talk about Lexile scores, so, you know, I don't know who's who's out there listening, yeah, yeah. and and let's just make sure what what are we talking about specifically when we talk about a Lexile score? So, a Lexile score will have basically if you looked at like a reading passage, and it would give a rating on that on that reading passage of what Lexile is this, and then they can correlate that back to in first grade. Here's what a Lexile score should equal for those books, and really that's I think the big shift is it's not looking kind of a at, difficulty rating yeah, of a particular yeah. reading. Yeah, passage. and it's not really based on the student. Well, where was the student scoring? It's nope, this Lexile re, uh, rate or score that's on that passage, it's not going to change. From a 2012 study, they said, okay, here's what uh, Lexile um, should be. And so that will always stay the same. And so what we've started to do from that report, uh, from the IRI score, they said, okay, student, student took the IRI assessment and here's their Lexile rating. So in theory... They should be able to read books that are within that quartile. And, and, and really, that's what we looked at is there's basically four different quartiles of that Lexile rating. And so, and what it is based on is the number of books that a student could read in a first grade classroom. So what okay. I'm saying is if a student can read zero to 25% of, of those books, then they'd be in that first quartile if they can read so going back to goals and you yes is that starting to yep. be kind of your goals is how many books a particular student reads yep the percentage per- yep the percentage of books that a student would read within that quartile so in first grade is going to have you know a rating of books second grade is going to have the same third grade is going to have the same and so what we've done is basically broken those apart and said if you're in that first quartile then you'd be more on in the old school color rating right you'd be a red a student would be a red because they're reading quarter a quarter so zero to 25 percent of those books and then it's going to be 26 to 50 and then 51 to 75 and then 75 or higher it would basically be where those those would go if you looked at like gotcha. a one two three and a four and because those those are going to stay that way and so throughout the year what what we should see is a student's going to be able to read more books within that first grade 
Excel. So that's really what we're looking at because that's not going to change. So we should be able to see student comes in and he's reading, say, uh, gets a score of Lexile that's uh, in the lower part of first grade. Well, by the time they leave first grade, now we'll be able to see, okay, student went from 5% of those books that he'd be able to read to now 75 to 80% of the books in that first grade Lexile rate. Yeah. That was the conversation that we were having this morning with our K-3 teachers. So is that a normal practice that you guys would meet I mean, that, that seems different that you're meeting with all K through three teachers in the district. I mean, that's probably, that's got to be a couple hundred teachers. I don't know how many that teachers that is, but that's a lot. You, I mean, is that kind of a beginning of the year since you've done the IRI, you have some um, pre-assessment data or the fall data, yeah. if you will, yeah. and now you're setting goals around that? Is that kind of a timing thing? Is that while you're meeting? Yeah. It is. And I think that um, one of the beauties of the pandemic Mm -hmm. was that we were able to see how we could all meet together where it didn't take so much time to do it. And so if Dr. Wilson Hume has something that he needs to share with us or walk us through or get input on, or if Jason does, we're going to all sit down together. He's going to put on a Zoom and we're we're all going to be there together. Yeah. And, and I'd say, was it two weeks ago, we had our elementary admin meeting. And in, in the admin meeting, that was the conversation we are having. Was, hey, we're, we're going to roll out the new SLO template. We talked through that with principals. Hey, here's what the template looks like. We're, we're, it's a shift. We're going to look at Lexile scores. And so as we showed it with principals, basically did the same presentation with principals and said, what do you guys think? And they said, yeah, this is, this is good. Had questions. We went through the questions, talked through a lot of that. And then we said, okay, do we want to do, we want to do a K3 uh, zoom or you guys want to go back to your schools? How do you want to do it? And they said, let's, let's do a zoom. So they all get the same information. So there's a lot of really nice pockets of great practices here, right? I mean, you talked about the PLCs, you know, and put them in action. You talked about looking at data at all levels, you know, the teacher level with the PLCs and the district. But I think that what you just described is also, I don't know how how unique it is. I haven't talked to every school district in, in Idaho, but I think it's pretty cool to take that time to to bring all those teachers together that are directly impacted. They're the ones that have to carry out the, the goals, right? But to make them part of that discussion and hear it all at once and leverage the technology. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I think that's awesome. Share a little bit more about, I mean, you've already shared some great nuggets here, but when you think about where you are, the practices that you have, the strategies that you have as a district that are making a difference, is there something else that, that maybe we haven't talked about that you'd like to elaborate on or share? Yeah, I think I think one of the things, and, and Nikki will be able to jump in on this one, I think with our, talked a little bit about our structure, right? We have our district leadership team, and, and our district leadership team has district directors, it has our executive directors, and then it has um, principals from each of our uh levels, right? We have our secondary, our high school, our middle school, and elementary, and it has uh, ele- uh, principal reps from each of those areas on our district leadership team. And and really, what we're doing is throwing things out there, right? From the district level, we're saying, huh, here's what we're thinking, throwing it out to that team, saying, okay, what do you guys think? And three years ago, four years ago, we were having a conversation really about reading, and, and where are we, <clears throat> and what do we need next? Before you go there, yeah. slow down on the on the district leadership team. You have administrators, you have teachers from that? We don't have teachers. Okay, um, it's from, it's a it's, group. It's, okay. Yeah, it's, it's a want to clarify. Administra- yes, yeah, that's great. Um, administra- really, it's an administrative district leadership team, and then as we get to, like, say, our principal meetings is where we're saying, go back to teachers, bring that feedback to us, and then we can help make those decisions. And Okay, sorry to interrupt, uh, Carol. 
Oh, that's great. No, that's great. And and really, is, yeah, that three to four years ago, we really started saying, where are we reading wise, and what do we what do we need to do to be able to help really make that difference of our goal of all students reading. And in that conversation, we're like, okay, gosh, phonics wise, we we don't have we don't have anything phonics. We don't have a specific what are we doing phonics district wide. It's more of a some of our title schools have this or some of and 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 really for me, I've always been the t- type of administrator that if if some students are getting something and it's working, well, I want my I want my kids to have that too. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like probably when you were a, a principal, you see a school doing something that's great, you're like, "Wait a minute." Well, I want our kids to have that. Right, absolutely. And, and so a lot of times that's what we, from that of, you know, maybe Title has some funding, Title One has some funding that they're purchasing something or they're doing something with. And it's like, well, wait a minute. If it's good for our Title students, why not everybody? And let's see if we can make an impact. And so we, you know, we looked at like phonics first as an example. Okay, well, let's, let's really start on that phonics. And we really kind of did it backwards, <laughs> but it was really just that conversation of what do we want to do phonics wise? So then we really started focusing on phonics. And then over the year and a half of, okay, we focus on phonics we're still missing what do we need and then really start to have that conversation our district leadership team about scarborough's rope and really that whole whole all parts of reading and now what do we need to do to be able to focus on those those things yeah Right. Our curriculum was old and it didn't have any foundational reading pieces in there. No word recognition pieces if you will from that rope. So we we started there with the word recognition, thinking, well, if we can't recognize words and we can't read words, we're not going to be able to comprehend. And we couldn't focus on all of the strands of the rope. We picked that one and started there. And we did bring in a systematic Orton-Gillingham approved and Orton-Gillingham method methodology in the phonics first. We also have teachers that are that are using other things in addition to that or are using things like Ufly. That's University of Florida Literacy Institute. That's something new that's come out through research. And being systematic and teaching explicitly those pieces of the rope to to students really helped with the fluency, right? And now they're starting to read. We're reading better, but now we're having some issues with background knowledge. So now we're looking at the rest of the rope, the language part of the rope, and seeing, oh, we have some needs here and here and here. That'll be the next piece we work on. And and I'd say too, I think the great thing great thing about being in a, a bigger size district is you just have and I think small districts have, you know we just have more teachers, right? And so you're we're looking at, okay, here's here's a classroom or here's some teachers that are really you're really seeing some results in their classroom and, and what are they doing and so with that basically we can take that action research and say okay we've I, you know, identified say 30 teachers but you know let's talk to five of them and say what, what are you doing specifically in your classroom and then being able to use that as a guide of here's what we're seeing and 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 really goes back to that instruction within the classroom right mm-hmm. like what what are kids getting and a lot of it goes through that professional learning type conversation but also instructionally what are you doing and and the success you're seeing from that and and like i said i'm sure in, in this rural school districts you have teachers that are just doing an amazing job and and you know how do you how do you look at those bright spots and try to replicate that wherever else you can right absolutely yeah so if you could boil down you know maybe your your strategy approach and say okay here are the five i'm just making up a number here but here are the five things that we're doing that are part of our system or part of our, our strategy to ensure, and, and if this is your goal, that's what I heard you say, that every student can read, right? Every student is at this level so they can read. What would be those key elements? And you've already talked about it, so it's kind of a summary of some of the things you talked about and maybe anything that, that we missed. 
first would be professional learning communities and yep. really that focus on essential standards and that skill by skill, kid by kid, um, really that, and, and really those structures that teachers are working together, learning together, and and, and really just trying to help students and, and figuring that out. I'd say that's um, one of them. I would say our focus on those essential reading skills. Um, we also, with, with funding from the literacy funding from the state, we were able to um, move to a full-day kindergarten, which um, our kindergarten teachers were, were very passionate about. And I mean, even even when that, when that conversation was happening, Scott and I, as we were looking at it, we were like, well, is, is, is full-day kindergarten right? And I think our teachers looked at us like, you guys are crazy. Yes, we need our kids longer and can be able to do more with. And so I think that's been helpful. I think uh, being able to use the, the literacy funding, um, we also uh, were able to hire instructional coaches within our buildings that have been able to focus on what's called the student-centered coaching model, where they're being able to work with teachers. And, that, and that's newer in our district. And of course, like like professional learning communities, we're trying to get better at, at all of those pieces. I also think that our district may or may not be unique in this, but the thing that I really appreciate about our district and what we're doing in those professional learning communities that it, it goes all the way to like Scott and Jason and Heath and the directors having having their professional learning communities, but also being open to listen to what we have to say. So we feel safe that we can share these things, even though some of the conversations are hard. So we can I can go and I can tell Jason, hey, our curriculum, we're not supporting teachers and that we don't have a piece for this foundational reading. So what can we do about it? It's, It's not that, oh, hey, you're not doing your job and you're not doing your job. It's that conversation and that openness to be able to have that conversation. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, especially if, you know, if you're asking for feedback on a big change, hopefully when you get the feedback, you really want to hear that feedback because you might want to implement something. But if there's people at the ground level, whether it's a principal or teacher that knows, no, this is going to be a train wreck, or this is not going to work unless we do X, Y, or Z, then you're setting yourself up for failure. So kudos to to the district and kind of having that collaborative approach to especially big changes. They reach out and ask teachers as well. And I really appreciate that they will listen to that teacher feedback. Does it always result in the change teachers want? No, not always, but we're able to have that conversation. And that's the most important piece. What has been the biggest challenge over the last pick it, you know, five years or 10 years? I know you've been at it a long time. Yeah, I would say turnover. Mm-hmm. I think, I think turnover has made an impact and, and really the Turnover comes for a lot of reasons, right? I mean, sure. Um, whether it's, you know, we have a we have a good partnership with BYU Idaho, and we have student teachers that come, and and but many times it's a young you know young family, and so they're moving, doing different things, and so we have turnover that way. But I think it's just that turnover piece of of getting a teacher that is brand new to the district to the same spot that a teacher that's been here for 10 years, which I think is a huge part of that professional learning community is, is that teacher that's been here for 10 years, being able to work with that teacher and, and, you know, that that historical knowledge of, okay, here's, here's what we do, but also knowing that new teacher, we have some good ideas as well. And so them working together, but I I would say turnovers, uh, I know that's a conversation that comes from principals of, man, we, we were, we were really rolling, felt like we we're doing good. But now in a first grade team of three teachers, two of them left, I have one. And so now I'm hiring two new. Right. And that new te- that, that teacher that's been there really trying to train and work with the two new teachers. <laughs> yeah. I would think going back to your PLCs, having that in place as part of your, your system has to, has to be help in that, in that area, I would think, because you have it built in that they're, they're going to be collaborating and, and meeting often. And so that can help with that turnover, I would think. Yeah, I would think so too. I don't know if you have anything else, Nikki. That I think that is one issue. 
Another issue is enough time to meet and enough time carved out where teachers can meet often enough. That has been hard, especially if you're going to start the professional learning community journey. That'll be something that people really need to consider. Like, when are we going to meet? When do your teachers meet? The set-aside time that the district has set aside for us to meet where we don't have students is every other Monday, and we meet for a full day. Of course, that would be great to be weekly, but then you have to balance that need with, okay, is it that big of a need that we want students to be out of school that often? And then once they get rolling and get functioning as a a professional learning community, like I said, they are touching base with each other all the time. I know myself and other principals included have carved out, like we have PE and music specialists, so we will put those together at a time where they have their PE and music time back to back. So those teachers now have an hour or an hour and a half once a week to also meet together. Time is always the challenge. Time is the challenge. Of course, money is always a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Can we support this reading curriculum or the foundational piece of literacy without money? Nope, we can't because (laughs) we have to buy resources. Right, absolutely. So, And then I think the other part is, keeping up with that professional learning community and what that really is about. My first year being a principal, I attended a Solution Tree conference and it was like drinking from a fire hose. (laughs) And to realize the work is never done. And sometimes that's hard to know the work is never done. The laundry is never done. We keep coming back to it and we just have to keep getting better at getting better. So you really don't have an end point, right? Right. You, just keep, you have yeah. your your measurable goals along the way, and one of the yeah one of the things coming back from COVID, one of the things that again Scott just thinking outside the box of you know we got to get creative. We used to have Wednesday early releases, and then what we moved to is our elementaries are Monday every other every other Monday, so our first and third Mondays, and a fifth Monday would would be collaboration time, so that full day, and then for our secondary schools it ends up being um, they have uh, every Monday is a half day half-day intervention in the morning, and then they have their collaboration time in the afternoon. So Happy to hear you're, you're, you're building it in. I know you're, I'm sure your teachers appreciate that. And like you, you said, would love more, but it's, right. it's always a trade-off and <laughs> yep. getting that time. So to kind of summarize or, or to kind of capture kind of the, the end of the conversation, look, looking forward, what, what do you see moving forward as kind of big focus areas of what, what you're going to kind of zero in on as, as you build on your successes that you've had and, and move forward? You talk about the Lexile score and the, kind of the refocus on that. Is that the big thing or, or is there something else on the horizon? I would say that's, that's the, I guess, the, the new data, I guess, picture of what we're trying to do K through three. I think what we're also doing is really trying to get better at what we do of, of teaching reading. And so we're having um, some professional development uh, as a part of our ad- elementary admin meetings. So the first 90 minutes of um, one of our meetings for the next three or four months will be about uh, teaching reading and, and really that uh, science of reading focus um, to get our principals so that they're all on. Because we come, administrators come from different different areas, right? Some taught elementary, some did not. Some were secondary teachers. and So we're trying to get them all on the same page of what is the science of reading and, and what should our focus be so that then as they're going back and having conversations with their teams and their buildings that they know how to have the conversation, yep, right? Absolutely. They know what to look for. Because you have a first-grade teacher, and that first-grade teacher knows knows typically how to get a kid to read and, and knows what they want to focus on and and uh, so a principal being able to 
have those conversations with them. So that's going to be our, our focus with is our that internal professional development, or do you bring somebody from the outside? So we're actually going to do, um, yeah, it's, it's called, uh, gosh, the teaching reading. Yeah. Teaching reading is the book. It's a core one, a core one novel, um, novel, novelty, right? <laughs> gotcha. <a> novel title. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's called teaching reading. And, uh, that basically what we're going to do is have, uh, we'll have four 90 minute webinars with them and then they'll come in for a one day training. And, and really just for that focus is that science of reading and, and really teaching, teaching kids how to read and yeah so and we'll start with principals and of course you know as principals go back and have conversations and pd with their their teams of teachers that'll, that'll be their really that structure of, yeah. of what they do so maybe the last comment and this could be either one of you i guess but if if a school district was kind of or a school was kind of still trying to figure out you know they're looking at their data and they're like wow we need to we need to do better we need to you know we need to improve any i guess core nuggets of advice that you would you would offer to whoever's listening out there that's that's also kind of really wanting to focus on improving reading instruction in their schools maybe start with you i would say you really need to break down your data and not just look at an overall score like on the iri or on the isat you really need to break it down and see where is it exactly that you need to focus it might be that your k3 students are doing well we're doing well with fluency everything's going great there but you've got four five and six that maybe the fourth or fifth grade teacher says, hey, these kids are reading fluently. And this actually happened at my building this year. Um, a teacher came and said, these, these students are reading really fluently. I've never had better readers. They don't know what they're reading. Mm-hmm. So how can I help build comprehension? Yep. And we're going back to that language part of the rope. So it just depends on what you need. Yeah. And you really have to break your data down to see what you need. Great advice. And, and I'd say from, from like, like our district level, a lot of times what, what we don't want teachers to think is, oh, we're going to look at this data that's way out here and we're going to judge all of you on that. I mean, that's, that's not what we want. What we want teachers to know is when you're given an assessment. And, and really what I want to know is I want to be able to walk into your classroom. And I said this all the time as an administrator. I want to be able to walk into your classroom. And when I ask you how a student's doing, I, I don't want to hear, well, on the ISAT. Or what I want to hear is you tell me what, what does the student know or not know? And, and what are you doing with that student? Yeah. And, and to me, that's the key. And I think so, I think too, many times, I don't want to say too often, or, but I think many times teachers get that stressed out about data, like, oh man, I'm being judged on this. No, no, really what we want to know is what does the student know? And then what are you doing um, specifically skill by skill with that student? Yeah, good stuff. Thank you for that. Really appreciate you guys sharing your your knowledge, your expertise, and, and some real great nuggets that hopefully our listeners can take away and apply to wherever they're working. So thanks again. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for joining us to explore education leadership, innovation, and impact here on Bloom Together. We encourage you to continue these dialogues in your communities, classrooms, and organizations. Be sure to visit bloom.org slash together where you can discover more episodes or click join the conversation if you'd like to be a guest. Until next time, keep learning, keep blooming, and keep making an impact, one conversation at a time.